This episode of Mapping Around with Scott and Ryan is brought to you by Shrek Vault Edition. Step back into the kingdom of far, far away and experience once more the joys of Donkey Mini Pinball, Donkey Multiball, and the Donkey Targets. And now, on with the show. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Scott. How are you? Great. How are How you? How have you been? I've, I've been I've been better. You know, I've been better. Yeah, you've been sick. Yeah, I've had a cold. Me too. A lot of that going around. Um, My uh, daughter had a daycare illness. Oh, yeah. And, Horse, yeah. mouth, and hoof. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Horse, mouth, and hoof. Yeah. She had horse mouth and hoof, and uh, I got a cold. So you and I have both been sick. But you know what? You know who doesn't care about you or me being sick? Mm. The People? users of the pinball map. Yeah. No, they yeah, might okay. care, but they're not going to stop using the website. So no, they might be annoyed if we're sniffing into the mic. No, they'll get over it. Sorry about that. <sighs> <laughs> All right. Well, before we get too deep into it, I want to uh, I want to give thanks to to Molly Ghost for our theme song this episode and last episode also, and maybe even future episodes. Uh, I think that was like a song from one of their later demos, late career demos. Pretty hard mm. to find, mm-hmm. so I would just feel pretty honored. Thank you to Molly Ghost for hooking us up. Yeah, T-Ghost. Mm-hmm, T-Ghost. So, in this intro section, we have a few exciting things to announce, which you could tell by my voice. You could tell it's exciting because I went, exciting! It raised, um, yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah. And uh, first things first, we just launched a Patreon, and uh, this is a way for people to donate money to the site to help it run, because... Costs are rising right now, and it's hard to afford the site, I guess, is an easy way to put it. And uh, the we did have, like, for the last year, we've had a donate button on the site, and that, I think, has helped us pretty much cover our costs. Um, however, our costs are increasing now, and Patreon seems like a really good system for people who want to donate, like, $2 or $5 a month and have it recur. Uh, I think that would be seems like a great system because sometimes people just donate and you know it's very generous what they donate, but it's hard to keep like consistent donations coming in. So since we're not doing any marketing for that or anything with right. a Patreon, I think we could kind of like it'll 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 keep coming in hopefully. And maybe Scott, you can mention why our costs are increasing or might increase soon in the future. That's well, a big can of worms which will take a while to get fully into. But I'll, I'll back up a minute and say, uh, the, the donators, thank you. Uh, and we did receive donations. I'd say, all told, we got maybe a year, year and a half worth of donation, co- uh, operating costs out of donations. And that's awesome. Yes. Um, but, you know, after the initial wave of generous um, users, it, it kind of dried up, hence the Patreon. Um, and the rising costs, like... Uh, in a nutshell, and we'll get into this a little more in the episode, I think um, as we go regionless and 
because of that we we start getting people from all over the world the volume of requests goes up and as the volume of requests goes up uh the performance of the site goes down um mm -hmm. and you know we'll we'll talk about performance here in a little bit mm -hmm. uh so so there's just more people using the site and then the other big thing uh which maybe we'll get into i don't know next episode i love planning these things out uh, yeah. in real in real time <laughs> yeah next uh, episode sounds next good. episode uh we'll talk about google and their kind of change in policy with how they offer their map services which we're relying on pretty heavily um as more people use the site uh more requests are made to google apis and google has mm -hmm. decided to clamp those down and start charging more for those mm -hmm. um, hence we get charged more and we're also it's it's not only more requests but it's different types of requests than we were getting before because uh before users weren't geocoding they weren't making geocoding requests because users would only look up ex like in a, a machine using the autocomplete they'd look up pirates of the caribbean or they'd look up an existing location like ground control. And now with regionless, they're searching in geographical areas, which is called geocoding. So they could look up Salem, Oregon, and that is a request that costs money because Google's like, where's Salem? Here's a, here's a latitude longitude based on that user's input and that is so that's like a new type of request that people are making now and they're also looking at pirates of the caribbean now too instead oh. of just uh pirates of the caribbean yeah yeah we have two two entries in the database for that right. it's it's pretty confusing to manage yes, it. it gets more confusing yeah um so yeah the patreon which we've just launched as of this recording we're basically launching it tomorrow so we <laughs> but when this comes out it'll it'll be properly launched and maybe someone will have donated to it by then because they'll know about it and but it's patreon.com slash pinball map hey everybody this is ryan i'm skateboarding to work right now and uh, this is a few days after we recorded this podcast. We've since launched the Patreon. Um, and as one of the benefits, we said we'd give shout-outs to everybody who has supported us. And in the first 24 hours of the Patreon, we got 10 supporters, which is amazing. We're really excited about that. And we thank all you guys and gals for your support. It's really cool. Thank you, first names only here. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Jonas. Thank you, Jed Flip. Thank you, Pindigo. Thank you, Justin. Thanks, T, letter T. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, Andreas. And thank you, Tom. You guys are awesome. All of you. And back to our regular podcast. And two more since then. Thank you, Stephen, our Wisconsin admin. And thank you, Robert from Portland. Have you used Patreon before, Ryan? No, I haven't. <laughs> I have not either. I'll, I'll admit, it's like kind of a new thing for me. Feels a little weird, but also feels a little classy. Like, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. it's like you're, you're some sort of Victorian lord or lady who's kicking down some dollars to... Yeah. 
like some artist <laughs> in the in their shed or wherever artists were back then. Yeah, yeah that's true of patrons. And yeah. uh, I have, you know, I've looked at the site and I've looked at like I've looked at Alec Longstreth's uh, Patreon. Mm. Because he has a weekly comic that he does, and there's a Patreon for it, Isle of Elsie, his comic, and uh, people of this podcast might know him for his pinball zine with John Chad. It's a good uh, one. Yeah. What's it called? Oh, Drop Target. <laughs> 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 I was like, we should say the name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I had looked and, and one thing that I actually read a blog post by him about his, how he uses Patreon. I thought it was interesting. And so he gives himself a monthly budget of say 20 bucks mm-hmm. and he, he shifts stuff around from month to month. And he's like, well, you know, I, I've been giving, so say he's giving uh, two dollars or five dollars to a bunch of different things. Say it's five dollars to four different things, and uh, he's hit his limit at twenty bucks. But then one of those that he's a patron of, he just hasn't read or whatever it is, listened to in a while, and there's a new thing he really likes, and so he just kind of drops his support of one and shifts it over to another one. So he always has that twenty bucks that he's budgeted to give out to other artists. I got a personal goal to get two dollars out of Alec Longstreth. Like right. that's that seems that seems doable. Um, I mean, that guy's like kind of notoriously organized too, right? Yeah, I mean, so just from I, reading his blog, he's fantastically organized. Yeah, yeah. he's like uh, people's productivity coaches and things like that. So hmm. uh, this doesn't surprise me. Anyway, that's that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe I'll give him two bucks too. I I mean, Isle of Elsie seems cool, like a cool comic for kids, but my kid's only seven months, so she's not ready for it yet. But uh, I was definitely planning to read her that once she gets a little older. Next up, next item, t-shirts. These designs, we have two different designs. One is on black, one is on dark blue, navy. And uh, the black one is the same design we had last time, a very cool graphic made by Drew Marshall. Mm-hmm. Um, and But this time we flipped it around and that, is, that graphic's on the back. And on the front is our like kind of header graphic, the little not even close to dot matrix looking graphic, but it's kind of supposed to be, uh, that says pinball map. And it's on the front in like the baby blue color. Oh, mm-hmm. and it looks really good. So when you're playing a machine, yeah, you could be right. Okay. Yeah. Someone could walk by and be like, Holy crap, that's a sweet shirt. And that looks like a neat site that I want to visit. Uh, and the other shirt is, also a design by Drew Marshall. This is a very, very fantastic design he made 10 years ago or so. Both these he made 10 years ago. <laughs> but this was one he busted out uh, that says Portland pinball map on it. It's taking us back to our roots. Uh, when we were originally just the Portland pinball map, it's the really humongously awesome graphic he made that the weekly paper, the Willamette Week, ended up using it as their cover because they liked it so much. Um, it's really, really cool. So this is kind of our like throwback tee, and this is uh, this graphics on the front. 
Yeah, this one's great because you have to rewind the clock 10 years to when we were in our 20s and we were hungry, um, for, mm -hmm. you know, to like build that portfolio and really mm -hmm. make our mark. Uh, this is Drew at his, at his, at his uh, most stringent. So, yeah. I, I, I mean, they're yeah. both great logos, of course, but this one is like, you know, what he wants to, to show somebody to get a job. So yeah, it's, a, it's great. He told me he's never made anything this complex since. <laughs> <laughs> and we had to simplify it a little bit for to put it on a t-shirt because there are so many teensy little details and so many colors on it. And this is a screen printed shirt and you can't screen print like 18 colors. So uh, we had to kind of clean it up a little bit in our own way, but it still looks really, really good. I think it's what to like eight colors or 10 colors right now. It's a lot of colors. Wow. It's a really cool screen print. Both these shirts yeah. are $20. Uh, mm -hmm. That includes shipping. So they're basically like $16 shirts when you think about it. I'll say I have one of the original shirts that we ran and I won't wear it um, <laughs> because it feels, you know, it'd be like, uh, who's a musician? <laughs> the first two that jumped to my head were Aerosmith and uh, Moby. And I, don't talk about uh, I thought I thought Mick Jagger. Yeah. Okay, it'd be like if Mick Jagger was walking down the street with a Rolling Stone shirt on. Mm, it just yeah. wouldn't look right. So I never I never thought I would do it. But for this throwback one, I'm gonna yeah. wear that shirt. Yeah, I'm gonna wear it. I'm gonna wear it too. Uh, so yeah, you could get those on our site at pinballmap.com/store. Last piece of news. This is kind of a big news item that will, or a, a, a long news item. It would take a while to say it, but talk about it. But we'll, we'll do the condensed version. There is a website that's been around for a long, long time. I don't know how long called IPDB that we link to with every one of our machines links to IPDB, the Internet Pinball Database. It has a lot of cool information about machines. However, it's uh, they don't have a good, they don't have an API. They don't seem interested in like collaborating with others. And uh, I know we haven't maybe explained too well why APIs are cool in this podcast, so people might not understand, but here's an example of why one's cool. First off, we, with uh, Andreas, the creator of pintips.net and Matchplay Events, a tournament software that a lot of people use, uh, and some other people, we put together a site called or a database called OPDB open pinball database uh, that lists all the machines we we've we supplied them with all the the seed data for because we've been maintaining a database of machine names for 10 years and we got like 1400 machine names on it those are only machines that have been out on location so we fed that to Andreas for the seed data for OPDB now that the database is it's it's live now uh, we're both editors of it. We we add new machines to it. Scott and I are editors. I yeah. mean, I know I am. Okay, I, and I uh, am, but Ryan's <laughs> the one who edits. Okay, and uh, so here's what's cool about it. And this, this is it's easiest just to give a real life example. So match play events. It's a tournament software. Say you're having a tournament at Ground Control. You're there at Ground Control. You have your computer open. You go to match play. Now, first thing you got to do for your tournament is add 20 machines to your tournament. I don't want to do that. Yeah, me either. But I have a solution to that. And the solution is you just click a tab that says pinball map 
on match play events and it says looks like you're at ground control because it knows where you are physically and then if you are you say yes i am and then it says well here's the 20 machines at ground control you want to add them all and that list of 20 machines is taken straight from pinball map using our api and so it's going to save people a lot of time and you know the the part where opd come opdb comes in is like it's i don't know how to describe this really it's like it's matching the ids of the machines on our site and the IDs of the machines on OPDB, they're the same IDs. They all, they both. It's a unique identifier that everybody can key in on. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, there's going to be a lot of cool stuff with it. I think like, I I don't know who else is going to be using it, but possibly, I don't know. I don't want to say just in case they don't. We're all going to use it. Everybody's going to use it. Okay. Yeah. We're all going to use it. And you know, you're, we're going to be happy at last. I'm finally, I'm finally happy. <laughs> yeah. Now that OPDB is here. Yeah. So it's a really, it's a nice slick site. It doesn't have as much uh, information as IPDB, but uh, that's okay. It like, you know, go to IPDB for your rule sets and or whatever else they have on there. Photos, really cool photos on there. Um, yeah. But it's a great site. Yep. I know. I look at it all the time. But they don't want anything to do with other sites. <laughs> What's wrong with us? We're, d- we're, we're delightful. <laughs> we are. Oh, well. Oh, well. Now it's time to dip in with Danny B. So, Danny, last time we left off, you were humming pinball wizard over and over just over and over and uh now we're at the garden juice bar downtown la i was wondering what type of if you're when you're playing out on location what's your like ideal place what do you look for what do you think is cool? You know what was the best place? Billy Ray, Portland, Oregon. Uh-huh. In the daytime, though. And then that was the complete opposite at night. There'd be some fucking big, drunk, loud douche. Probably John Ray. <laughs> Just kidding. Didn't he work there? Yeah, he worked there for years. Um, yeah. It was upstairs. It was away. There was no, like... It's like a little trace of music up there, but it was like yeah. right in the window. You get a nice breeze. Yeah, big old, that huge window. It was a big Victorian house. Yeah. The bar cool. downstairs, and the upstairs was just pinball. Yeah. I think it's still there, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. $20 cover. What do you like about that place? I like the solitude, man. I think that's what I like most about pinball in general. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. There may be like one other dude up there, but really love to just concentrate man i like to just be in you know find that that zone of that zen you know and uh-huh. not to sound like a hippie but i mean that's the only way there goes my sunglasses yeah i like that too you know i like to i don't like to go out to bars just to like drink right but now there's an activity there it's fun yeah get to play with some friends or buy on your own you know and just get into a game for 
an hour or so. I mean, you can get some solitude with like headphones and, and that, but yeah. it's not the same. I like hearing the game, and yeah. I just really liked it up there. It was got a little hot in the summer, but even that was all right. Yeah, I like my father's place a lot. Just the dingy, like old school, you know. Games are all fucked up, you know. Like some of them just play a little float or Batman, just because that's the way it is that day. Might kick out two balls, fuck it, play them. Yeah, that was a twenty-four hour restaurant, right? Yeah. Uh, was it? No, I don't think it was twenty-four hours. Was it? Maybe it was. Yeah. I feel like I went in there pretty late. And yeah, got some pancakes. maybe you're right. Yeah, it was twenty-four hour restaurant. But maybe the bar side closed because they have to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, man. I really love that place. And, and I used to love, like, the bowling alleys and shit. I'm getting pretty nostalgic for that stuff lately. Yeah. I used to play interstate lanes a lot. No one there. That was on interstate, different yeah. side of town. Oh, yeah, yeah. That place was sweet. I was on Vancouver, yeah? Oh, wait, no. No, I was on interstate. Isn't That's that a right. street? That's right, yeah. Yeah, they had uh, Jurassic Park and Flintstones. Right. We got Flintstones in our work. Oh, do you? Yeah. I love that game. Yeah, go for the strike. Strike. Danny B's work, uh, 82 in downtown Los Angeles. Little plug. Can Come see him DJ at Wednesdays at 6 to 9, right? 6 see, to 10. See Jingle. That's right, 6 to 9. Uh, 6 to 10. Sometimes 10.30. Sometimes seven. Yeah, man, that's my ideal place to play. I don't know. I love them darker spots, and I don't know. I'm not real into, like, I mean, honestly, a, a place like 82 would be the last place I'd want to play, <laughs> you know? Or, like, not that they, I love the games, and the lineup's really good, and you keep the game, you know, they keep the games there working solid, man. There's always a, a tech on. Yeah, that's a cool thing. Floor, Always attack on the floor, which is pretty unique for a place. You then, just uh, seeing thing breaks. You just tell Danny or whoever, soft blankets. And then our master of Tekken will always come in in the day, you know, and fix any catastrophic malfunction malfunctions. And uh, well, that's places. That place is for some people. Might not be like your ideal place, yeah. but it's fucking crowded. Like people are always like, oh, you got all the GCs because you work here. But honestly, man, like. Anybody who hangs out there and plays pinball plays the games way more than I do. And if I do, like, if it is maybe a league night and there's nobody around and I'll get a game in or two, there's somebody tapping on my shoulder constantly. You know what I mean? I'm not, like, GC in games at work. It takes some time. And I might stay out afterwards and play one, but that's honestly not true. I'm just the best in the city. Probably are. You got more GCs than me. I gotta have the most GCs but I'm better than all those guys I mean I'm not trying to sound like egotistical but I've just been at it a long time like time is everything Belcito he don't live in town no he's Johnny Johnny don't live in town those guys are good they got time on them Johnny Mnemonica yeah Johnny Mnemonica (laughs) Johnny Mnemonica Mojica alright what else Uh, you got any cool pinball stories maybe from your when you were a kid Hustling. God, I really, I really have so many, man. I just, I've been thinking a lot lately about. Uh, there used to be this one strip in St. Louis, and and thinking back, it was actually it was Route 66, man. It was, it was Watson into Chippewa Road, and that's kind of like 
pretty near my, pretty close to my house. I could, I could cruise my bike over there in like 10 minutes, you know, or take some back routes on the skateboard. The place was so rad, man. You had like 7-Eleven. And so we would, what we would do was we would like, we were young, man, like 12, 13. And I used to hang out with these kids, this kid Boomer and Jason Schumer. They were brothers, man. And, and Boomer was like twice as big as Jason. But Boomer Jason, Schumer? Yeah. His name was Peter Lee Boomer Schumer. Those kids were, man, they were they were some hard knock kids, man, <laughs> uh, to say the least. They were they were they were super smart, you know, and just super, just kind of raised themselves up, man. Their mom worked real hard, raised them, and, and just blue collar kids, man. She was like a bartender down in the city, you know, and tough kids, the Schubers, man. It was so, uh, it was rad. She was always a worker, so we kind of we could just like smoke cigarettes and weed around the house. <laughs> drink like do whatever actually she didn't, she didn't like Cindy didn't like us to drink uh, but uh so then we'd, we'd get blazed and go walk down the strip man and there was 7-Eleven that had Black Knight 2000 and then nice. and a couple other games and, and they had Castlevania and, and then like they had Fire for a little while and uh so that's why I remember the peak was like Fire and then we'd, we'd we'd like sneak in the back and take a couple tokes and or we'd do like inhalants <laughs> we'd like have a little god that's funny to think about man we'd have a little like toilet t- toilet paper we'd paper roll and he would like s- stick it in some tuline which was like he found out in rehab that tuline's the property and glue that gets you high this was Jason man he was like a that guy had like mercury around the crib and enterprising stuff. young man just, oh, just a, a wild dude and he would uh would stick it in the tuline and then put it in like a paper towel roller and then we'd just like <laughs> like huff it down catch a ringer and play Black Knight and then walk down to uh, the next spot which was Happy Joe's Pizza which is still there they still got a little pinball nice and then uh, and then down the street from that was or maybe in between was, was Marlboro Lanes which was a redneck bowling alley man Marlboro Lanes. Yeah, huh. I remember. Just I don't know. That some good times walking up and down the corners. Man, I do remember. I remember one time we were up in Seven Eleven and doing them indolence, and we were like, I was ripping them the Black Knight, and I guess there was like a new guy working, and we were uh, we were like three or four of us in there, and uh, and and Jason went around. And he, he took, like, five magazines. There's, like, a magazine rack where the video games were. And then he went around and he took, like, he filled, like, his whole belt underneath his, his jacket and his shirt with, like, cartons of cigarettes. Wow. He gave me a carton of Alpine Light 100s. <laughs> and, uh, and then, like, a couple, like, uh, like, a week later, they're so nasty I could barely smoke them. So I just kind of stashed them in my house. And, like, a week later, I got... I got pneumonia, no. and I was like quarantined. Maybe I got the mump or the measles or some shit. That's old school or like whatever the chicken pox. Yeah, yeah. And all I had was the fucking Alpine Light 100s, man. Those and I gears? smoked like a carton of them in like a week. That's all I could do was smoke ciggies, and nobody could really talk to nobody. So I'd go on my roof and smoke ciggies. How old are you? I think twelve. Thirteen. Uh, Nah, probably 12. I would have been smoking them at 13. Marlboro's only. Cools. 
So back then, were you like, were you seeking out pinball, or was it just like a fun thing to play? I think and all we did, yeah. yeah. I mean, we definitely not to sound like oh, oh, but like yeah, man, pinball was cool. Like that was what we did. We loved to like get blazed and go play pinball. Yeah. I guess not much has changed, man. Yeah. Yeah, I was playing it around that time too. Yeah. Giovanni's Pizza, yeah. Caribbean Games Cruise. Not as popular. Uh huh. And especially like you know you take acid and we'd be at the skate park and. And there'd be that like uh, you had a skate park back then. Yeah, man, we had a uh, um, yeah, we had a there was Webster Groves. It's right in my neighborhood, man, like three blocks from my house. And uh, there was this guy who opened up a skate shop, one of the first ones, and it was more like a surf shop. Uh-huh. I want to say it was one of the first ones, but I think Glenn had his shop open way before that. But everybody gives Kyle credit. Maybe it was Kyle, but I don't know, man. He went to, like, California or Florida or some shit and saw these surf shops and decided that he would open one up in St. Louis. <laughs> and everybody thought that was crazy, and he sold, like, jams and, like, clam diggers, pants. And, yeah. And then started selling skateboards, and then, like, skateboarding became so popular that all of a sudden the guy was, like, you know, making fucking fat bank, you know? Yeah. So he opened up a little skate park, man, and uh, it, it was open like four or five years. Outdoor. It might even still be there, honestly. There might even still be ramps and like the outdoor. It was outdoor, outdoor. on the ice rink. There was an ice rink during the, uh, and they had like a warming house. Man, how old am I? Like 90? Maybe like 67, I think. Yeah. And uh, they had the warming house in there. So we'd go and... Uh, Different times. You man, know. I remember being on acid and playing that... I remember I was playing that, uh, I was playing Earthshaker. It, it might have just come out too. I was ripping it. And uh, and Kyle, or one of the guys, I like to think it was Kyle, it might not have been. That's pretty late. He would have been like closing down the skate park. Maybe it was, man. He's like, yeah, he goes, guys, we got to close up, man. But if you can keep getting free games, you can keep playing. <laughs> and then he turned off all the lights. Yeah. Shit, maybe he was conditioning us. So you just kept playing the whole night? <laughs> he wasn't. He was a good guy. Oh, so, well, yeah, it was like crucial. I was on acid, though, so I was like, the lights were so crazy. And I just remember, like, I was like, holy shit. And then I I, I was in the middle of ripping, and the game were all going crazy. And there was, like, some spots on the wall, right, next to where the game was. And I swear to God, I thought they were all spiders. Uh. And I was like, holy shit. Ah. And I like jumped away from them, and I like looked back, and I was like, "Wait, are those spiders?" And then they were dots again, and then they were like, "It was just like looked like that," you know. And I was like, "Oh no, they're spiders!" Danny just pointed to all the dirt on the wall in the place we're eating at. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, "No, those aren't. God, they're the spiders!" And then I drain, drain, drain. Did he? Was he concerned that you were yelling about spiders? He was. Okay. But they all knew that we did acid and shit. All right. It's kind of a little safe spot. Potentially, for some Kinda. people. <laughs> I mean, he was grooming us after all. He was grooming you. <laughs> just turn out the lights a little bit and uh, turn out stay lights, just stack of quarters. Can only play without pants. <laughs> Sorry, that's taking it too far. A little too far. I took it too far. <laughs> well, the St. Louis pinball map actually has a lot of machines on it. Man, it's getting. I mean, I I think you can sort of follow like. The gentrification of a city through the pinball map. This will be a good experiment, you know? I mean, look at Portland. That would be interesting. Yeah. How it grows, where it grows. I mean, it's shit people, you know, like, I'm trying not to talk like this anymore, but <laughs> it's things that Caucasian people with money like, with indispensable money. Yeah. 
even though St. Louis is still poor, man, even you know, for the most part, like you think you know somebody with money, they ain't got no damn money. Just wait till you see crazy rich Asians. <laughs> Comes out tomorrow. My, oh, wait, today. You don't Friday. go to a party on a barge. Maybe in St. Louis you do though. They did that in Singapore in the movie? They're in Singapore the whole movie? Yeah, in Singapore. Have you been there? No. I've never been there either. If only I was a crazy rich Caucasian. Someday. I'm not. When that Portlandia gets... uh, Gets bought out by HBO. Yeah. Get the replays. What's it called? Uh, Residuals. Residuals. Please, in the meantime, send me one dollar. Yeah, PayPal one dollar to dannybellrose at gmail.com. Please, PayPal dannybellrose gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Keeping pinball real since since Lake of the Ozarks, man, in, in the eighties, man. We just added to the pinball map yesterday the world's oldest penny arcade ah. in uh, Rhode Island. Whoa, it's called. Silver Lake Arcade? No, not Silver Lake. Super Lake? That's <laughs> amazing, man. Lake Arcade. Oh, All right, wow. we got to end this because we just don't have that much time. I got, I mean, I got this parking thing, but was that a good story? Yeah, that was a great story. Map Tech. Map Tech. Map Tech. So, uh, so Ryan, um, something happened a few weeks ago. I'm not comfortable sharing what it is, uh, but it was an aha moment in my life, a catalyst, if you will, that made me do what some people in the tech industry describe as a spike. And this particular spike was a performance spike. Mm. I looked at the map and I thought we can do better. Um, we're, we're always in such a sprint to get all these features out there fixing bugs yada 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 performance general maintenance Hmm. sometimes falls to the wayside yeah would you mind it would you indulge me to talk about that for a few moments i will have at it oh thank you um i think we've mentioned before our app runs on heroku which is a service that makes it easy to deploy and manage web applications um they're secretly sort of well not secretly um they're a wrapper on aws amazon web services in our efforts to keep costs as low as possible we use heroku but we use the cheapest possible pay tier that there is and what that means and i'll put these in uh computer terms that we all know and love um we get 512 megs of ram and one processor and that's what we get and that's what the pinball map runs on. That's what that's what uh, services the website, the apps, the whole shaboos. Shaboos. <laughs> shaboos, I think. Shabazz? Um, the whole shabazz. Um, so as you've heard before, pinball map's a Rails application. And Rails applications not exactly famous for being slim. They're huge. Uh, the beauty of Rails is that it handles a lot of the work for you. And what you do is kind of glue concepts together. And when the concepts don't match up like they would for everyone else, you write custom code. But the penalty of having this um, out-of-the-box magic is that it's it's kind of bloated. 
it makes it hard to run in 512 megs of RAM. What happens when you're out of your RAM? You drop to disk, and it's a thing called swap. So what's that? What's the problem there? Well, you picture a hard drive. Picture it now in your head. I'll wait. Mm. It's probably like a rectangle. It's gray, and there's a little disk part that's maybe spinning around in circles. So that spinning motion is the disk running around in circles trying to find all the little individual pieces of what you're asking it to do and make them happen together. When it's in memory, that, well, I guess picture that memory now. It's maybe green and black. Mm -hmm. <laughs> plugs into a board, depending on where you're coming from. Uh, anyway, the memory, you can think of like uh, RAM, sorry, think of like short-term memory. Mm. Uh, it's fast, but it's not there forever. Um, there is no spinny disk. Everything you need to do is right there uh, at hand, but then goes away over time. That's much, much faster than your spinny disk. So the goal is to get as much of the application as you can into memory. When I open the, what is it, the hood, to look and see how fast things were going. I guess that's a weird way to see how fast things are going to open the hood. Um, what I found is that on average, our application was running two to 300 megs over our RAM limit. So we were in swap most of the time, very slow, not good. Not good. So clearly a problem that we need to solve. So I uh, did what every single computer programmer on earth does, uh, just started typing words into Google, right? Like it's, <laughs> that's, that's a secret here. That's over time, you don't have to type as many words, but you always have to type words. So I'm Googling them, you know, Heroku memory, yada, 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 uh, to get us out of swap and get us more performant. And here is what I did. Here is a bulleted list. I don't want to use up the whole podcast. Um, if any of this is interesting to anybody, please write us at our email address, which is pinballmap at fastmail.com. It's fastmail in Germany? No, that I got oh. away from the Germany one. Actually, I think they're okay. in like Italy or Australia or something, but I don't know. Okay. <laughs> um, they're offshore. Uh, so anyway, here's what, here's what we did. I started with upgrading Ruby from 234 to 251. Doesn't sound like much, right? But... Uh, after the upgrade, we dropped about 100 megs of footprint. Wow. Not bad. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, observe the logs. It's kind of satisfying sometimes to watch the logs zip by, uh, It's but it's hard, difficult to read. And I'm, as I'm watching, I'm like, huh, why is this difficult to read? Why are they so long? And then it occurred to me, oh, we have a number of N plus 1 errors here. What, well, errors. What's that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, so we have a single database, and... Think about when you load the website. Mm -hmm. um, you load the website, you do a search for a zone. Let's just say a zone. Um, you say you're in Portland, you search for downtown. Mm -hmm. uh, behind the scenes, what was happening is it'll do a search for all the machines in Portland. Then it'll do a search for the region for each of those machines. Then it, which is Portland, over and over again. <laughs> It'll do a search for the names of all the machines in downtown in Portland, over and over again. So if there's a fishtails in four places, it's going to do four searches. And we only get, I think, 20 concurrent database connections. That, that number might be way high. Um, but in total, all told, 
all total. And and um, toto. That's what I usually say. And <laughs> toto. Um, there were a lot of. It, it was not uh, rare for a pretty common use case to spawn off, say, like two hundred database queries just to load a web page. And each individual query is pretty quick. Like we're talking milliseconds, but it's doing 200 of them. And as other people are making requests too, it has to share between everybody. So it'll be like, okay, I'll do 50 of yours. Now I'm going to do 20 of yours. Now 30 of yours. And it, it's just the context switching slow. Mm -hmm. um, that's M plus one is when you're doing more queries than you need to, but it, it's taking a lot of queries and turning them into one big query. So I went across the site and I tried to find every instance where we were doing too many queries, zipped them up into one or two bigger queries. That was a big one. Mm -hmm. um, another big one, and this, jeez, I hope this is interesting to somebody else. It was like uh, horrifying to me, but <laughs> other people might not care. Uh, with databases, there's regular maintenance that you do. Um, there's this thing called vacuuming and there's this thing called analyzing. Uh, as you add and delete machines to the database, there are records that are left behind in the database. Even though we deleted them, they're just kind of sitting there. And I think it's like the concept where, uh, you know, when you think you've deleted, or, or how about this, you wipe your hard drive and you sell it to some schmuck and he is able to like revive your, your credit info from it. Mm -hmm. It's never actually deleted, you know? Yeah. Is that a thing still? I, I think that's a Yeah, thing. I think it's a thing. Okay, so uh, when you delete stuff on the site, the records are actually left behind. And there's a, there's a process called vacuuming, which you do to a database, which cleans up those records. And if you don't clean them up, it's as if your table was just bigger and bigger and bigger. So even if we have, how many locations do we have? Right 5,400 or something. Okay, so if you deleted, say, 300 of those, it would be like we had... Um, 5,800. And the more data you have, the harder it is to go through. Um, so there's, that's what vacuuming is. Analyzing is a concept that says, as we build queries to satisfy requests, we need to know about how many records are in each table so we know how to interface with the tables. Hmm. Like if I know the table has like a bazillion records, I'm going to treat it differently than if it has 10. Mm -hmm. So it's like indexing kind of? Yeah, kind of. I mean, it, 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 it's able to know which index to use based on how big the table is or how to use the indexes in some ways. Mm -hmm. um, like there's different types of queries that it'll try to do based on the size of tables. So here's where I get horrified. Our database hadn't been analyzed or vacuumed in like five, six years. Uh -huh. I mean, to the point where it thought that there were like 10 locations. I mean, that's just... That's not good. Weird. Um, and I thought I thought that ten, Heroku, ten locations. I'm stuck on that. Yeah, yeah, like I I don't know. Like maybe when I first set it up, I was playing around just by hand to see what the database could do. Oh, I hear and it. And I uh -huh. I typed it. Um, yeah. But I I thought that Heroku was doing this automatically. Turns out not mm -hmm. so much because we're not paying them whatever money for whatever tier of service. So, whew. A long story. I vacuum and analyze the whole thing, and I set up a process to do it automatically. Oh, cool. Did you have to massage it, too? I did. I vacuumed, I analyzed, and then I uh, played some soft music and <laughs> gave, gave a 30-minute chair massage to the database. 
The final thing I did, and this is the thing that took us under and officially ended my spike, uh, which I'm not proud of, but here we are. I lowered the number of threads that would attempt to run from five to four. So a thread is like, um, for a process, it'll try to do X number of things at a time. And you know, we can have a whole podcast episode about Ruby threads and how they're uh, people will just punt on the whole language because of the way they work, but maybe next um, year, maybe. Okay. Next year, uh, dropping it from five to four is the thing that finally took us down. So, uh, below, uh, our limit. So now we're hovering around 80% memory usage. Wow. I unfortunately do not have the log capabilities at our price level to accurately give before and after, um, performance indicators, but my uh, ANIC data says that our slowest operations are probably about twice as fast as they used to be. Mm. And th- those, those are pretty common things like loading the app uh-huh. or um, looking up a location. Yeah, I noticed the app was faster to load. Well, that's, you know, that's kind of where I was hoping maybe this podcast becomes a conversation is uh, if anyone's listening to this and they've noticed any speed difference, even if you've noticed no speed difference, Mm-hmm. Uh, let us know because I don't know. I mean, people complained about it, but I don't know if they noticed that's faster. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we just did that kind of silently and, uh, and until now, of course, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if I, I think I would have noticed even if I didn't know what you were doing, just cause like the app does take a while to load that initial data. And now it seems like at least twice as fast. Oh, really? Okay. I think so. Well, that's good to hear. Let us know, listener, if you think it's faster, too. Uh, the next thing I want to do after you know some features is um, revisit our serialization. And serialization is uh, when you use our API, you're basically asking for enormous chunks of text to come across to you. Uh, the process of grabbing data from a database and turning it into enormous chunks of text can be slow uh, and is currently slow on our system. So I, I think if I can play around with that, there's uh, Netflix built a library that I think we might be able to use that should speed that up. And I think then you will truly notice uh, a major speed difference. So awesome. thanks. Thanks for your time. Uh, that's yeah. what I've been up to. Maybe we could tie this back into AWS uh, and how would this all would this change at all if we moved from Heroku to AWS? What's so that? I, I, I think the, the things that I did are, uh, aside from lowering the number of threads that we run, are mm-hmm. universally like best practice. You upgrade okay. your libraries, you um, fix your M plus one issues, um, you do your database maintenance. But, you know, like I said, all that work and we're still 80% total memory usage and we had to lower our actual throughput capacity um, just to stay in memory. I think moving to AWS lets us take all these gains um, and it becomes cheaper for us to say, well, instead of going from five threads to four, Mm -hmm. maybe we have three parallel processes running that are automatically load balanced and we leave the threads on each one at, at five. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, because, I mean, in some ways, we've, like, cut off an arm to crawl through a hole. Yeah. Right? So, mm-hmm. oh, that was a good analogy. Yeah, that uh, was good. It made me think. Yeah. 
so I don't want to, I don't want to have to do that. Um, uh, but you know, I also can't spend, uh, 60 bucks a month on bandwidth and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. That's where you come in listener. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I like that stuff. Uh, and that's what I've been up to. Cool. Well, one little follow up then is, uh, on Heroku, there's these little tools that you could install, like Memcacher. And if we were on AWS, would we just kind of like be on our own, or are there little cool little tools like that to use there too? Uh, great question. I think the answer is going to be a little bit of both. Like Heroku is a great service, and I love Heroku. And Heroku is always should be everyone's go-to thing for prototyping and you know, just playing around because it cuts out the whole DevOps thing entirely. You mm-hmm. just kind of push to this thing and it just sort of works. Um, and they give you all kinds of great plugins and tools um, that I'm sure I'm taking for granted right now. When we move to AWS, I think we are going to have to do a lot of that stuff ourselves, which is totally fine with me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just going to take a lot of work to make sure that we cover all the features that Heroku was giving us for free. Interesting. But yeah, some of them, they might give us some stuff like logging, I think will be out of the box, but like email, Mm. we're going to have to send that off to some email server. Okay. Let's chat for a minute about stats. Uh, In the last episode, we talked for 20 minutes about seven stats <laughs> now we're gonna flip it around and do like 20 stats in three minutes oh okay that's not like i a, thought you were gonna say 40 minutes yeah i mean that, that's stats. a lie of course we're not actually doing 20 stats and who knows how long it'll take but um okay beginning like we're at 5550 58 locations on the map right now 17,457 machines so we've grown since the last episode Mm -hmm. i don't even i'm not even gonna look up how many we had last episode if i was more organized i would then we just compare them but believe me believe me it's more right yeah yeah or just re-listen to the last episode yeah um and uh we have uh machines added to locations there's been 1,138 machines added to locations which is uh actually a little bit lower than last month where we were at like 1200 or something but it's still very very high it's because no japan right yeah japan is done our japan admin had been adding in uh has been submitting a few other spots nearby in like singapore which is kind of cool but only only a couple spots there and this is this is i think an interesting data point machines removed usually it's you know, there's definitely, obviously, there's more machines added than removed, but this machines removed, there's 669 removed, which I think, I feel is pretty low this month, which, indica- yeah, definitely, it indicates that we've just been adding lots of s- s- machines, and uh, like I said before, it's sad when machines are removed, uh, unless they're getting swapped for a really sweet one, but that just shows, like, some good growth right there. Uh, locations suggested. These are ones that have been submitted to us. We had 191 locations submitted to us, almost 200. Um, that keeps us busy, and we've been adding, I don't know, all of them. 
Let's say all of them. All of them were added. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And locations confirmed, 424. I see we should have been organized and know, like, because that's what we talked about last time. We're like, maybe. I'm not going to be comfortable until that is at parity with number of locations on the map. Wow. Each. Yeah, yeah, that is true. That's a good point because we don't want. That brings me to a small aside right here like there are now that we're regionless there are people this summer on their road trips traveling to wherever submitting locations in the middle of nowhere some of these are i mean and and i'm not disparaging that like these are really nice cool people that are using the map and having fun with it submitting locations some of them are gas stations in italy which are called (laughs) total erg it's one word total erg total wait that's or- like the name of the gas station? that's the name of the gas station total erg total erg yeah it sounds like so- like something from starcraft or something like that um but you know he in you know this guy's probably having an awesome vacation he went to france apparently according to his submissions and now <laughs> and italy and uh you know these locate these gas stations. The the machine comments that he submits with them are just like this machine sucks and is in terrible con- shape. There's no actual address for the gas station. It's just like a crossroads on some street in the hills of Italy. And I'm like, is anybody gonna visit this place again and update this location on the map, or is this just kind of like a one and done thing? And this data is gonna get stale. That's like the cynic in me when I see these. I say leave them. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that particular stale is uh charming. Yeah, and it is it it is cool to get these little like random places in Europe too. I like that. Uh comment all right, no, scores. We had hundred and forty one scores submitted, which uh that's way more than last time. I think we had like sixty last month. Oh really? Yeah. Well, still kinda just tells me that our our users aren't very good at pinball. Yeah, I guess they're just not putting up. They're not getting any score on their machines. Right. <laughs> it's right. just they're getting zeros, and so there's nothing to enter. And then once in a while they get a score. Right. Uh, comments two uh, nine hundred and ten comments left about machines. Danny B and I mentioned last month when we were talking about the Simpsons garage door breaking, and I mentioned that that's a common one. So I looked it up to see how many. Uh, Simpsons on location right now have a broken garage door and there first of all there's 265 Simpsons pinball parties on location on showing up on pinball map and uh, according to the machine comments 19 of those (laughs) have a broken garage door so I mean odds are that more than 19 have a broken door yeah. So mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say that over 10% of on-location Simpsons pinball parties have a broken door. Yeah, I think that's probably safe to say. Huh. Yeah. I don't know. Somebody, some one of those like aftermarket pinball sites, Pinball Life or something, should uh, make a new garage door or something like that. One that works. With mirror blades on it. Mirror blade garage door. A couple other fun stats we have is uh, I wanted to see how many locations have the word lounge in it. Mm-hmm. Just because I thought of that. And 131 locations have lounge in their name. Nice. Yeah, pretty good. 
After that, I looked up how many users, how many, how many usernames have the string pin, P-I-N, in their names, which, you know, pin, pinball, so pinhead, whatever. There's, I, I, I'm not saying people aren't creative if they, a lot of them have pin in their names, but it's a pinball-themed website, so I kind of expected there to be a lot of people with pin in their names, and there mm. are. Uh, <laughs> there's 214 users have pin in their names in some form. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's mainly the other, the, the only other stat I had, which we don't need to go into is just how much like code and crap we've changed this month, but we thought maybe that was too much detail. It's a lot of, a lot of code. Yeah. But we, we did close, well, 24 issues where this is like, these are all stats for July, I should say. And now I know we're in August now. But it's just easier and cleaner to look from month to month. Um, So we closed 24 issues. The issues are kind of like tickets that we write to ourselves for the site, bug, like feature updates, bug reports, stuff like that. Closed 24. And we pushed a lot of code. And I didn't do a ton this month. I feel like I, 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 you know, I do like the front end development for the site, the design. And I, there wasn't a, a ton for me to do, just little tweaks here and there. And I focused more on doing the design work for the React Native app. I think August is going to be a huge month for both of us. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, especially for you, because you started out super strong with your uh, performance refactor. Your performance, what do you call it? Strike? Uh, spike. Spike. Performance uh, spike. Like you're spiking a ball? Kind of, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, dancing around. Yeah, moving on to the next section now. Those are the stats. I mentioned React Native. This is something we mentioned last time. We haven't talked about it much this month. Um, but here we go. We're, we're we're rewriting the app from scratch using React Native, which we described last time. It's coming along very very nicely. I think people are going to be happy with this new version. I mean, it's we we talked a few moments ago about like the startup time for the app right now uh there's no startup time in the new app it just starts and you're just looking at stuff right away it's really smooth and fast and cool uh but there's still more work to do and our friend beth is doing most of the programming for the app um and like i'm doing the front end i did the design of it and now i'm styling it as she finishes pages um so I'm just trailing behind her. And uh, so uh, without, without further ado, we bring you Scott interviewing Beth. Take it away. Who are you? My name is Beth Poor. Okay, I thought there'd be some follow-up to that question, but clearly what else, what else, what else <laughs> do you follow that up with? Hello, Beth. Um, please describe your relationship with the sport of pinball. Sport of pinball. So pinball and I don't go back too many years. Uh, I don't think I'd ever played pinball per se before uh, being with my fiance Dennis. When we'd been together a couple years before we'd ever actually played together, he played a lot as a kid and uh, was apparently really good. And uh, years later, when we were in, I think bend for the weekend we played some games and it was really fun and we 
that's when he got really back into playing a lot, and uh, I started playing a lot myself. Where did he play when he was really good as a kid? I believe the 7-Eleven at, or Plaid Pantry in Corvallis on Monroe Street. <laughs> okay, all right. So it was in Oregon, young, really, okay. Yeah. I'm going to do some research like, like, on like that after. Probably college age. And, uh, oh, okay. And he lived with a guy one summer that you guys know, John Sherrard. Yeah. And uh, he had a whitewater in the basement, and that was, I guess he played that thing all, all summer when he lived with him. So yeah. you, you have a dotted line from yourself to John Sherrard Yes, also. exactly. Okay. I, and I met him briefly once at a picnic. So. I've also played that white water machine. Oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> as has Ryan. Okay, sorry. No. So Dennis plays, you play. Yeah, and then uh, Dennis's job brought him up to Seattle for a few years, and that's when uh, we both kind of went nuts with playing a lot of pinball while we were separated. Uh, he joined a league in Seattle and played every Monday night, and I started going out by myself to events in Portland, and I joined uh, Bells and Chimes and started playing with a lot of the ladies around town and just meeting a lot of people, and whenever I'd go up to Seattle, that's uh, we would meet up with people in Seattle and play at Shorty's. We'd do the monthly on Sundays at Shorty's. We did that for for a long time and it was it was really great now that he's back we have a machine at home and we still just play all the time what machine is that we have a fishtails oh i knew that uh you helped me find that <laughs> <laughs> and we're so happy that you did we, uh, we love it <laughs> yeah that was a pretty good deal on fishtails i think i mean I, I don't think we'd ever find one for any less yeah okay okay uh when you were playing around town when dennis was away where would you play well uh I live out in kind of deep southwest, so I would go to this dive bar called The Dugout where people would look at me funny for being there by myself, and I would just chill out and have a beer and play some pinball, or I'd go to Sea Bar a lot uh, when I came into town. What's the lineup like at The Dugout? Right now, they have Junkyard. I was gonna guess. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna guess Corvette or like Harley Davidson or something uh, they like They did that. have Harley Davidson for a while. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. When I was going there so much in the beginning, they had a CSI. That's when I, because in my past life I was a scientist. I worked at a virology lab, and I'm really into science nerdy stuff. And uh, so yeah, the CSI when it was at the dugout was my jam and <laughs> CSI that's a classy move for a dive bar that's a surprising move I guess to really me. I think so like I don't know if an operator had that machine but unless the owner of the bar it's is melody like, uh, melody oh, and it, okay. there's for a while they would have two machines and those were the good old days but uh there's just one and there's just been one for several years now I gotcha okay um what is your relationship to the pinball map Pinball map is really special to me in a lot of ways. Um, I can't recall exactly when I started using the pinball map, but uh, probably, I guess it's been five or six years ago now, I went back to school to get a post-baccalaureate in computer science, and I'd been using and really enjoying the pinball map for probably a couple years at this point. And uh, in my web development class, we had to go and learn how to or basically provide instructions for how to use any API of our choosing and make a website about it. So I chose the pinball map API. 
this is getting really specific into code No, this already. is <laughs> this is good. This yeah. is why. So I chose the pinball want. map API just because, uh, well, to simply it, it's kind of easy to get into to use, and it provides a lot of data that I found exciting to myself personally because, like, obviously I'm really into pinball, so I used uh, the Pinball Map API for my web development uh, project in school. And I, I'd already been an avid user at that point, but I guess from then on, I've just always been really into the Pinball Map as well as like the actual inner workings of it, like the application and uh, the API and everything. What language were you using to interact with the Pinball Map back then? I don't remember. Is that Python? I was just using uh, JavaScript to make an API request. Got it. Okay, uh, I don't know. I feel weird asking this, but I'm going to ask anyway. Yeah. You say simple, uh, and this is the second time I've heard that today. And it's a compliment. I take it as a yeah. compliment. I mean, why, it is a compliment. <laughs> why, why do you think simple? I have some theories on that, but I want to Well, hear. I guess the, the, the very first thing is just that you don't have to have an API key to access anything, mm. so you can just get right in and get to going. Because I was... Between using the um, IFPA uh, API or the Pinball Map API when I was choosing an API to, to work with, and the IFPA API, you have to request a key. And I, I mean, I think it only took like a day or two for them to get back to me, but by the time they got back to me with the key, I'd already been playing around with data from the Pinball Map. And this. The <laughs> API key thing is good, but also worries me a little bit. It's a little sketchy. Um, because I think it opens it up to a lot of abuse. You know what I mean? Like oh, certainly. scrapers and or certainly. any of that stuff. Well, and I, when I first started using the map, part of what blew my mind, but I found really uh, cool, was that there wasn't even, like, back in the day, you didn't even have a, a user account. So just anyone was able to add and remove machines from locations. And I thought that that was just so cool and really indicative that the pinball community in general is, you know, trustworthy, trustworthy. And, like, and yeah, and just like this, it just felt like this app represented like a lot of things that are, are good in the world. And I know now that it, we, we do have to have user usernames and logins, but I think that's just for the a very minority amount of the population that things like that are, are necessary. And you also get beneficial things with uh, having profiles, so like with the the app and the, the website now we're able to track user statistics so you do get benefit by benefits by having um, a required login if you want to make changes to, to the map. Yeah, a secret reason we um, we have most endpoints don't need a key is backwards compatibility with the old apps like some people have really really old smartphones and they won't upgrade and they have versions of the software that they can't upgrade anymore. So if we were to lock those down, suddenly they wouldn't be able to use the map. So oh, yeah. it's not even like a, a good reason to leave it open. Anyway, no, I like no. your reason better. Uh, it's a nice community that we trust for oh, the yeah. most part. React Native, Ryan and I talked about it last time. You are the catalyst for the paradigm change of application development in the pinball map universe. Tell us a little bit about React Native and why we care so much about it. Sure, uh, and I hope to not disappoint with this React Native 
transition. But uh, so the uh, the web app is a Ruby on Rails application, and uh, currently the phone apps are separate Android and iOS applications. None of these technologies I personally have any experience in really. I had offered that when it came time to do the revamp of the phone apps that I'd be willing to, to learn one of the stacks uh, and try to take charge on, on one of them. Uh, but Which is the, not easy. It's not easy and I don't have any experience. Like I, I, I was hoping that if, if if it all came down to it that I might get to do the iOS just because I I was like, well, I have an iPhone. That seems interesting. But in my current day job, I work uh, with React to make web applications. And using React Native is porting all of the React work that, that I am already knowledgeable, have experience in, and uh, just plugging that into creating phone applications. And um, I believe you talked about in the last episode about how React Native, you can compile down to both Android and iOS code, or not code, but applications from a single React Native code base. Which is magic to me. Like, I have no idea how that works, but... Honestly, it's magic to me, too, and I'm, I'm nervous. Yeah, like, we're, they take, we're hoping for the best right now. <laughs> they take some piece of JavaScript and they turn it into Java code and Objective-C or, like, Swift or something, and then that's compiled separately. That's, I don't know. I guess we, I don't know. That's right. I hope it all works at the end of the day. Yeah. It should. I mean, huge companies are using React Native to make their apps, and I'm sure we'll... We'll figure it out, but I'm expecting, right now it's pretty smooth sailing because we're just using JavaScript to write basically uh, what would be a standard React application. Uh, I've never actually made a React Native app, so we're going to see what roadblocks we come up into when it comes time to try to actually get these into the app stores and yeah. them at, run as as their own, own independent apps. It's part of the rich history of technology selection based on your day job and trying <laughs> <Exactly>. to <laughs> like improve your skills on something that you get paid to do by building it for the pinball map community. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good choice though. Personally, it makes a ton of sense. Uh, can we expect a clone of the current apps when these new ones roll out? Is it just going to look the same or is it going to act differently? There's going to be a lot of similar functionality, but uh, we're also going to have some enhancements to, especially like the profile screens and uh, I, search is going to be, if, if, if all goes well, search is going to be dramatically improved, uh, like searching for locations especially. Uh, hey, do I have to pick a region anymore when it loads up? No, no, but I'm still trying to understand all of how <laughs> this actually works gotcha. myself. Because <laughs> I think part of the hope here is a screen that everybody sees when it starts and you start searching and it finds stuff regardless of what region you're in. Regionless. 
basically. Sure, but it's going to load up with where you're currently at, right? Of well, yeah, I guess, yeah. sure. But if as I, long as you have location services enabled. If I'm in Portland and I type in a map address for Seattle, yeah. it'll show me Seattle stuff, right? Yeah. I don't have to switch over to the Seattle region to pull it up? Correct. Okay, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Big feature request from many angry travelers is uh, having to switch between regions is confusing. They were angry? Well, some were angrier than others. Some were, most people are very polite, but some people, um, I mean, they know what they want. How about that? Sure. I personally never found it that off-putting to change my region, and I, to be honest, I'd never really considered why I'd even need to do that. Yeah, I think it's the people who travel, and I think for, I think the apps are a little slow right now because they preload all the data for a region. Yeah. So maybe if we don't have to do that for this new one, we get a quicker load time and oh, yeah. less so region changing. I'm certain that that will be the case, yeah. When can we expect to see this application? Is this a 2018 or is this a 2019? It's currently <laughs> August 9th. Let's optimistically say late 2018 oh okay Op optimistic yeah no i mean it, it's really hard to say uh a lot of good progress has been made and uh there's still a lot of progress that needs to be made but we're we're zooming along and uh ryan has been doing a great job doing all the styling i am terrible at styling things so it's really nice to have someone who has an eye for that and a, a passion for getting it right on that. The styling is CSS, right? Essentially, or is essentially, it... you use a flexbox, which is a, a way of using CSS for React Native, and you can use you can use most CSS stylings for React Native, but you have things that are specific to phones to consider, um, like you don't have on-click events because there is no clicking of a mouse you you have like on press events so uh, it's it's all very similar and straightforward to working on a web application but it's just a fair amount of reading different documentations to see like what's different for a phone versus a web app for the CSS yeah gotcha and I feel like this stuff is so new that the documentation tends to be like out of date or all over the place well it's it's all changing really quickly and getting just getting all the pieces of the infrastructure for the, the app in place has been challenging at times because we'll want to upgrade certain packages to get like a current new feature, but then other dependencies are then out of date. So uh, this is definitely a, a changing ecosystem that has changed a lot. <laughs> How do you feel about talking into a cell phone uh, in a park in busy downtown Portland? with uh, people next to you having a conversation and uh, a small houseless camp. <laughs> That's all fine. I, I, it's, it's less uncomfortable to talk into a phone than I thought it'd be. So oh, <laughs> this is okay. going well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just a phone. Uh, all right. Any parting thoughts that we need to consider? Just that uh, I love the pinball map and uh, anything that I can do to help keep it going i'm into what a great attitude that we could all adopt <laughs> yeah thanks bud see ya
Wow, what a great interview. That's really easy to talk to. And easy to listen to, too. <laughs> yeah, that actually, we uh, Beth and I had lunch at uh, Mi Mero Mole, uh, which is right across the street from Ground Control. We were going to do the interview there, but there was loud street noise, uh, like the train. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we thought we were going to do the interview in Ground Control and get, like, cool ambient pinball noises. Mm-hmm. Um but it was free play day, which is like a blessing and a curse because I'm not going to spend five dollars uh, to go <laughs> to go sit in there, not play pinball, and do an interview and then leave. Yeah. Um, so what we what we ended up doing is walking to that weird park um, by Powell's, and that's anyway a little behind the scenes there of how that interview worked. Um, something Beth and I wanted to get into, but both of us forgot to get into it. Um, we we talked about uh, her writing the API to interact with the website in college, um, uh, it, but we didn't get what happened next, which is Beth started contributing to the pinball map in general, uh, like the the open source uh, Rails application. And because of that, you know, Beth and I got to talking, and there was an opening at my work, and I said, you know, hey you can program clearly like why don't you come work uh, and so she applied and you know best a great programmer was a slam dunk and there she goes but we wanted to bring that up because um all of our applications are open source like there's nothing that we do that isn't available to read through right now um so if anybody is interested in contributing or uh even learning more about it uh, I think all of us are pretty approachable, happy to walk you through um, and explain any weirdness that you see there. Uh, so anyway, yeah. don't hesitate to look and and contribute. Yeah, and we have the, the list of issues on the GitHub page that shows things we'd like to work on. And if you have an interest in taking on one of those, you can. You can just set up the dev environment on your home computer, work on that particular issue and then push the code to us and uh it would be awesome it happens sometimes it happened with beth i mean beth was a godsend in a way she's really cool mm-hmm. from high above maybe that's a little dramatic um, godsend yeah. <laughs> that's fine let's give it to she's beth. a blessing um, in disguise i'd say yeah. <laughs> wait <laughs> um but if you yeah i mean and if you're nervous about uh, jumping into something like this, you don't have a ton of experience, that's fine. You wouldn't be the first one to approach us under those terms. Uh, we're happy to help people figure it out because we want to make it as easy as possible for anybody to jump in and contribute. So you're actually helping us by letting us help you contribute. Does that make sense? Helping us by helping... Yeah, just for okay. you. <laughs> just for you. <laughs> And, you know, some of the site, it's not all Rails. It's a CSS and HTML, too. So you don't even need to know Rails if if you if there's front-end stuff you wanted to do. Like, you really hate yeah. that blue color in one spot. You could attempt to submit a change, and we'll review that and see what new color you propose. Right. Or you want to do the whole thing over in Ember or Angular yeah. or some weird thing like that. Uh-huh. That's fine, as long as, you, as long as you do it. Yeah, as long as you actually do it. All right, so now here's a new segment. It's called, Let's Discuss About This Now. Let's discuss about this now. Let's 
All right, Scott, let's discuss about this now. Um, we're going to discuss, in, in this segment, we discuss a provocative issue that piques our minds and our brains. Hmm. Uh, in this episode, the question is, what is a public machine? We're a, we're a map of publicly playable pinball machines. They're, it's, it's not always super straightforward what's public and what's not public. And so I think it's kind of worth some discussion here. And I could, I'll start out by just dropping some examples of, okay. to make you, to, to pique your interest here. All right. So okay. a cafe, a cafe is a public place. Anyone can go into it and order some food and then play their machine. Did, mm, can I stop you right there? Yeah. I, I'm sorry. You're going to challenge that? More examples. I'm already, yeah, I'm already peaked. Okay. Um, great. Your cafe example. Okay. Anybody can walk in and you say, order some food Ooh. and play. What if I just want to walk in and play pinball? I mean, are we going to say it's a public machine, but you have to order food? No. I mean, it's, I'm saying, I, I would guess that at most places, if it's a cafe, you probably don't have to order food because mm-hmm. you're giving them money with your quarters. So you're you're a customer already. Right. Um, I'd say if you had to order something before, kind of like at a cafe, at a coffee shop, you have to like order a coffee before using their Wi-Fi or something. I don't know. I'd I'd say that's still definitely safely in the the public realm right there. Okay. Yeah, but you're right. That is like it 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 challenges you a bit because you have to have money. You have to have probably shirt. And shoes on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some social social constructs, maybe. Mm-hmm. And maybe some people are more willing to enforce them than others. Like a place that I would sometimes play is Glowing Greens in downtown Portland. And that is a uh, glow-in-the-dark miniature golf course that has a pinball machine at the check-in area. Mm. And every time you go down there, they're like, hey, are you here to play pirate-themed miniature golf? And the answer is no. Mm. I'm not here for that. I'm just here to play your pinball machine. And they always just say, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> um, but, but I imagine some people, you know, they might not want you taking up their space. Yeah, and some places, uh, obviously, you need to pay some sort of entrance fee to. There's not, not, ever, not all places are as nice as glowing greens and have their machine outside of the entrance. An example of that is, the, the easiest example I could think of is, Disneyland. Disneyland Ooh. has a machine and uh, you gotta pay a entrance fee uh, to get into the park. What do they have? They have Indiana Jones. Mm. But it's actually... Oh, this is the one that's all gussied up, right? Yeah, it has the cool custom wood legs on it. Mm-hmm. It's actually removed right now, but someone... Uh, it gets... It, get, it just breaks immediately. Like, day one, it's totally broken. And then it just sits there broken for a couple months. And then it gets taken out, fixed, put back a couple weeks later. These days, people don't even remove it from the map because it just happens so frequently that it gets taken in and out. And uh, they just leave a comment when it's broken. That's interesting. Or and when I don't it... want to dwell on it because I'm sure you have other examples. Mm-hmm. But you're, you're giving an example of a place that once you're in, you can play the pinball machine, but clearly there's a high barrier to getting in. Yeah. Um, but 
there seems to be some kind of correlation between a very hard to get to public pinball machine and damage to that pinball machine. Like what's up with that? Are these people like kicking it or, or what? I don't know. I, I, I kind of think that it's just like when they fix it up, they maybe don't make it immaculate. They just kind of like manage to just barely fix the flipper or something. Mm, and then it gets okay. put back and yeah, maybe it does get beat up. It sees a lot of, I'm sure it sees a lot of action and it's, you know, it's an older machine. It's uh, Indiana Jones, the pinball adventure. Mm, so it's the okay. older one. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. It's seen some stuff. Another similar example to Disneyland in, in, in spirit is uh, a location that was submitted to the San Diego map a couple of months ago, which was an escape room. Um, and that's, this escape room had a machine, I think, in their lobby or something. And But you need to be a paying customer to play it because you can't just walk into their escape room. Like they're telling you that? Um, yeah, I, mean, sure, I think I guess, we, yeah, yeah we, we asked, we verified. And um, the San Diego admin did not want to add this place because he's like, well, that doesn't seem public to me. Yeah. But I said, okay. I, but I was like, it's like kind of the same as Disneyland, though. What's the difference? Right. Oh, yeah. 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 Good point. And that's and it's it's before you actually enter, so it's like the glowing greens thing. Yeah, but I feel like these escape rooms are kind of, yeah, it is it is just like that. But they're very simple. They're just like a at least the one we went to in Portland that one time. It's just like, mm-hmm. it's like somebody's apartment basically. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> in that it's case, it's like a weird office uh, complex. Right. Yeah. And so the opening, and they probably keep the place locked. Oh yeah, that's another thing about escape rooms. They do they're not just like open 9 to 5. They only open when people schedule. Uh, yeah. Mm. And you know, I'm going to throw out a bunch of other similar examples here. A movie theater where you need to buy a ticket and the the arcade is like inside. Uh, you're messing with me now. Uh-huh. I mean, Disney World was a slam dunk for me. I consider that a public mach- uh, machine. Uh, but for some reason movie theater seems like no. But yet it's the same concept. <laughs> it's <laughs> less money. But and then and then to make it even like more confusing, I guess, is just like an arcade. Sometimes you pay an entrance fee to an arcade and then you go and play. What's that's the oh same thing God. as Disneyland. Not five minutes ago did I just <laughs> say that I didn't want to pay to get into ground control. Yeah, is ground control not public? Should we take it off the map? <laughs> uh it's just yeah, there's a, there's just a range to public. And some of these are, I guess, even further along in the range. There are pinball league clubhouses. You got to join the league and then you can play. That's definitely more public than a private residence where you need to, like, be invited by Bill or you need to be Bill. But, you know, it, it has open enrollment, open membership to a league. And then you have access to the clubhouse. I mean, that's not something we list on the site, but it is kind of public. Man, so uh, this gets really philosophical. Like, it's public if you give your time and energy into joining the league. Um, If we're not going to consider that public, then, uh, I mean, you could argue, I gave my time and energy to get the money to get into Disneyland to play broken um, Indiana (laughs) Jones. Yeah. Like, conceptually, there's no difference. Yeah, there isn't. I mean, I, 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 and this is something I'm torn about. I'm like, we do get clubhouses submitted sometimes, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, 
kind of want to add it, but doesn't feel super public. But I'm I'm on the fence. I don't know. I mean, I think the practical answer here is that as long as people tag these things as such and leave like good comments about how, you know, yeah. you gotta mm-hmm. be in CFF to get in this room, <laughs> or like it costs seventy dollars to to even approach this machine, then buyer beware. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. And that kind of goes back to the dirty magazine stores where. Mm. Sure, you could go play it, but you kind of want to know what you're getting into before you drive out there. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, and I guess that's why we tag locations with location type, because you might not know that a place is a strip club or a dirty magazine store until you go there. Yeah. I mean, you probably do, based on the name, but maybe not. I don't think I've ever been in a dirty magazine store. I mean, by the time I was old enough, I just didn't really have the interest. Right. Well... Uh, search the map i mean now's your chance you could have an excuse yeah, yeah that's a good point yeah i don't think i will but it's <laughs> <laughs> a, a good point it's another reason to go yeah and here's here's an example of public that i think is very very interesting this is the first of its kind on pinball map um i mean we have had hotels of course there's lots of hotels on there which that's another one where do you have to be staying there to play the machine Maybe, maybe not. You might be able to sneak in and play it. Uh, But the uh, place is an Airbnb. It's outside of Atlanta. It's it's on the map as Don's Airbnb. It's basically a guy that just opened up his home collection by making his place an Airbnb. So wait, you can't go and play it. You have to stay at this guy's house. Yeah. And then you get to play. Yeah. You gotta you gotta book a room. Is it good? Yeah, he has got? got a ton of machines. He's uh, huh. and he does. He did. I asked him about this. Um, he said, "Well, he, you're in contact with Don." <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> okay, I was sorry. interested because uh, he's asked. He's had a few requests. Uh, one of which was, "Please remove my phone number from the site because people are calling and wanting to play there." Nice. Yeah. I mean, that sucks, but also nice. <laughs> yeah, and my answer was, "You could remove it yourself." That's it's a it's a field that you can edit, um, but uh, yeah, he's got Caribbean Cruise. He's got the cocktail game Caribbean Cruise, which is one of the games I was at. It was at Giovanni's Pizza in Montecito, where I grew up, and uh, it, I played that machine like every day for years. It's a really fun one. He has full throttle, hard body. Okay. Yeah. Oh wow, he has hard body. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, but he won't just let you come play. You have to stay there. He said once a year he opens it up and uh, to like uh, anyone could come. Here's a question. Sorry, I don't know if you have the answer on hand, but it's important for my verdict. I don't know if we're given verdicts here, but uh, do you have to pay to use the machines on site for uh, these free play machines? Uh, I don't know. Okay, because I feel like a common thread for everything except the clubhouse has been that you have to pay to use the machines. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of thinking you could group that together and say a public machine is a machine that you pay somebody to use as a service. And if that criteria is met, then it's public and anything surrounding it, like whether you had to pay to get in or whether you have to buy a muffin, mm-hmm. is just like Trimmins. Wow. And anything that's on free play is probably not public. But, you know, that all falls apart the minute that 
some guy has a bar and has like a Indy 500 that's on free play because he just likes it. Yeah, and High Score Arcade in Portland has some of their machines on free play, but that's that's because their coin max are broken on a couple of machines. So that that's, <laughs> that's kind of different. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I I hope you're not looking for verdicts because yeah. I don't think I know. Yeah, and then remember machines. Beth had a. A machine she plays near her that I think I'm sure she wanted to keep a secret that was on free play and NBA. Yeah. yeah. And yes. uh, sh- yeah, that was just some person's like liquor store and they put the machine on free play. That's pub- hmm. public as heck. I noticed we're saying public machines. Aren't we supposed to say on location or something like that? Oh, yeah. Location, location machines. machines. Yeah. Yeah. We know what we're talking about. We do. <laughs> I didn't know if maybe there was a nuance to location versus public that we needed to to mine here, but probably not. Yeah, probably not. I guess for this discussion, too, we're specifically like trying to talk about whether things are publicly accessible or not. And you can't say that as easily with like, is it is it a locationally accessible machine? Mm-hmm. You know, it just isn't mm-hmm. the right word. Well, maybe the the listener can write in with their thoughts and we can find the best ones and share it if anything new comes up. Yeah, yeah, let's let's hear we want to hear from you, listener. Yeah. Uh, give us your nuance. Yeah. Discuss about this with us via email. Last segment we have today in episode 2 of Mapping Around with Scott and Ryan is uh, tips and tactics. This is just a quick segment where, you know, we often see people make the same mistakes or do the same thing incorrectly on the site or they just don't know about something and so this is be a quick tip for all y'all you can edit a location's information and what does that mean and what are the restrictions here you go like location information you got a location name ground control you have their address whatever and uh their phone number, their location type, they're a bar slash arcade, their uh, operator name, which is ground control in this case, and some of those fields you can edit. You might notice that some locations don't have that information in them. They don't have a phone number or they don't have a a website. That's another field. And uh, you can, on the app and the website, there's a little edit location button and some of those fields you can change the phone number you can change the location type you can change the operator the operator has to be the one you choose has to be one that's already in our system though and if they're not in our system just contact us and we'll add them we don't allow you guys to directly add operators um no offense and i think it's yeah no offense just helps manage the data a little better you can add the website for the place too. And uh, this, you know, it just helps like, f- we have so many locations on the site, 5500, and not, I think it just helps kind of make the data a little more robust. You get to know more about the place, like what type it is. And if you want to see the hours, you click on the website or you want you could call them or something like that. It's just nice to have this in there. And it's helpful if you guys want to help add that stuff in there. And the one that in particular... I would love, this is like the ultimate goal of mine for a pinball map is for every single one of the locations to have a location type assigned to it. Um, because otherwise, if you want to look up like 
arcades in Portland, there might be an arcade that's not tagged as an arcade, and there you just so the results just aren't as valuable. Mm. If we have if we have every single location tagged as with a location type, then it would just it would really help the data and like the usability of the site. I think it would make it a lot. It would inc- it would improve it a bit. And you won't accidentally wander into a dirty magazine store looking for yeah. Spider Man. Uh, all right, that's it. So add location types in there well ryan it's uh 10 10 on a sunday night and i'm gonna be woken up in just about eight hours so it's time for me to go to bed i hear that where i'm gonna wake up my baby in 10 minutes and do a little night feeding wow and good yeah, for you helps her, good for helps you. her sleep through the night wow i didn't i didn't uh I'm gonna out myself as not as good a dad as you. I, <laughs> I mean, for the for the feedings, that was that was Renee. Renee did that for the most part. Yeah. Well, Azita will do the feedings. I'll I'll wake her. I'll uh, wake Hannah up. Okay. I'll, I'll wake Hannah up, hand her over, and then pick up Hannah after that and do a quick change and then put her back in her crib. Okay, that's still pretty good. That's pretty solid okay. parenting. Yeah. No, that's good. That's that's. Uh, it's like Azita's the race car driver, and you're the pit mm-hmm. crew. Yeah, changing those wheels. Yeah, that's helpful. All right. Well, um, I had fun doing this. Let's do another podcast in about a month. That sounds great. And in the meantime, a quick recap: we got a Patreon, we got T-shirts. Hit those up if you want shirts or to help support the site so we can make it faster and awesomer. Thanks for your help, everybody. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thanks for updating the map. Bye. Bye.